Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Uh, May I? You want this? Yeah, I'd love that, yeah. Don't make me look soft. Yeah, all right. Thank you, barkeep. That's ASMR, isn't it? Yeah. That is, isn't it? Oh, neat, yeah? Yeah. You don't want a little uh, little dash on that? No, I'm fine. Right, well, there you I, go. W- I want to taste the finest whiskey that the co-op can offer. <laughs> you know it's been fermenting on the desk as yeah, well for ages. It's actually probably not that much uh, alcohol left and it's probably evaporated. Um, love podcasts, hate nonsense. Well, there is that, isn't there? Cheers. Yeah. How's your holiday going? Yeah, good. Um, I like to be on holiday um, and I like to spend my holiday here. No, you I could actually, have actually said thanks for having me, and it actually kind of would have applied today. Oh, because, yeah. thank you for having me. Yeah. You didn't want to have me. No, no, I did want to have you. No, I wanted you to have your day off. I wanted you to enjoy your time off. It's uh, well, I was already much deserved. in town. Oh, wow. No, it is cool. And I don't like I don't like you know be, doing the whole without getting too far into it. There's been some moments in in my employment history where I've missed fairly major news events from being on holiday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All um, of them. <laughs> many. Yeah. Many, in fact. In fact, on one occasion, uh, I was drinking. I was drinking whiskey instead of being um, instead of being at work, and I got into a, a, a modicum of trouble. I, nah, I call it trouble. Is that because you sent a picture of the drink you yeah, were drinking? Yeah, in on the beach. To... Yeah, topless. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, down the WhatsApp group. Yeah. Didn't land well, and you know there was an election being called, but mm-hmm. um. <laughs> but you were calling it. So. I was. Yeah. I mean, that's, as is my right as as the prime minister. Um, no, look. When you work at a small organization the way that we do, you're always going to struggle to have proper, you know, full staff coverage all the time. And as is the nature of the beast, there'll be news breaks and someone's away. Today, you and Ed both meant to be off. Yeah. Ed, having pulled an absolute fucking belter of a shift on Saturday, 9 a.m. till 1.30 a.m. Yeah. F- funny story about that, actually. And Ed Campbell, my, we love you. We love you. We don't, do. We don't we, Ava? We do. We fucking love him. Um, 
It's a shame he's not here. because Man he, like Ed Campbell. Man like Ed Campbell. He'd have something fucking funny to say right now. I'd say it'd be far more entertaining than anything I say Yeah. over the course of this podcast. That's why you have him here. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a foil to, to, to my lack of humor. He's like the, um, what you what you used to have, which was like, you know, like a, a random good looking woman who'd like kind of bring up, the, you know, like the, the, God, I'm trying to not. Like a weather girl. Like a weather girl. Um, but you, you don't do that anymore. No, you have a Scottish political commentator. Correct. He's our eye candy. Yeah. He's our piece of meat. <laughs> um, so any, so he pulls a huge shift on Saturday. Relatively, I think we should lift the curtain on that for the, for the, the heads in the audience. I, I sort of, I'd been, you know, obviously working with him over the course of the day. And then I, about seven o'clock, called it and was like, right, mate, I'm going to go to bed now. Um, I've got LBC on Sunday. So, you know, I'll speak to you tomorrow. I go to bed. I wake up at 1.30 in the morning and I text him just to be like, you know, X has done well, blah, 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 tweaked a headline. Nah, nah, nah. And then he replies and he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm still working. I know because I was your interim. And I was about to say that, that you were <laughs> providing feedback on his edits. I think you were on a night out. I was hammered. <laughs> That's why the videos are so fucking mental. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, there was one point, I so I'd been drinking since quite early in the afternoon. Love that. And I was out with your friend, who is now my friend. <laughs> You've stolen from me. I have stolen her from you. Yeah. Um, and I got home and Ed was like, can you just watch this final edit for me? And I was like waiting for it to come through. And I actually saw myself. <laughs> oh, in the reflection <laughs> of your phone like screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is nothing more sobering than, than that. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes you'll get into bed, big one. And you'll go to unlock your phone and accidentally open the camera and it's in reverse camera mode. And yeah. you just, you, you see yourself. Oh, I look at it and I go, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of, of course you do. Um, of course you do. I had a calamitous, so, so, so part of my journey today, I went and had breakfast with my friend, which was always the plan, came here and I'm en route to Soho to try and recover all of the things that I lost on Saturday night. Oh, you had a fucking big one. I, I don't know what was going on with me. I lost my my hat, my gloves, my sunglasses, um, my AirPods. That's oh. annoying. I can still see where they are. Andre Mia. There was a really unedifying moment where on Saturday night I was like, oh, then I find my AirPods say they're here. And I was like, cigarette out one on my mouth, bending down under a load of smokers outside the French house. And I was like, really like like looking through the legs or whatever. And this guy goes... I love politics, Joe. <laughs> I was like, no, no. Not now. <laughs> yeah. Not now. Yeah, look, they're, they're out there. They're out there. Believe it or not, you wouldn't believe it sometimes, but there are people who actually quite like this podcast. Yeah. There are people who quite like the, us as a publisher in general. And um, there are, there are, and, and also I know that because sometimes when I was, for example, when I was on LBC on Sunday morning, People have started signing off their texts saying, love podcasts, hate nonsense. Love that. Yeah, I love that too. I also... My I, mum also texted in this weekend. She just, with that? No, she didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, obviously. No, she just she just put, um, love you, love bug, ma, oh, kiss. Oh, did she call you love bug? That's my, that's my nickname. That's really wholesome. Yeah, and it came in and the producer was like looking at the screen and <laughs> made eye contact with him and was like, what is that about? <laughs> Who's doing that? It's my mum, yeah. Who did he think it was? Yeah, fuck, well, I mean, you figure it out, I guess. It's early in the morning, it's tough, but yeah. It's, it's weird. You don't Steve, normally receive you're, things. You're, yeah, Steve, yeah. Steve the black cabbie. Mm -hmm. It's him. Yes, yeah, uh, very unlikely to be him. Um, what, a, what a fucking few days, Ava Santina. What a morning, hey? What a what morning. A what morning. a weekend. Yeah. What a weekend. Um, we come to you moments after 
the right on he's not the right honourable actually. What is he now? He's 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 a he's a life peer, so David Cameron is back. Gentlemen. Okay, yeah, his lordship. Milud. Uh, yeah. That's what they say to, to judges, isn't it, Millard? The um, the Right Honourable Oxfordshire member. Yeah. And frequenter of Soho Farmhouse very often. Naturally. I mean, it's only a short hop, skip and a jump away from Whitney, isn't it? Yeah, and some of us Chippy. might have even seen him at Wilderness Festival before. Some of us may have done. And some of us can't say what we saw him doing. Yeah, absolutely not. Because that would be libelous. It would be, yeah. It would be. <laughs> and if the fact you've even mentioned it as such now might be enough might be enough to secure a uh, <laughs> secure a legal action. Um he's back. Suella's out. Cleverly's gone into mm-hmm. home sec. Davcam's foreign sec. There's been a few junior minutes. Is that what it is now? Davcam. He's always been Davcam. Yeah, it just okay. Do you not call him Davcam? No, I call, I've, I call him Davcam. Well, I, I just, I, some of the Tories this morning are calling him Big Daddy. I saw um, Ian Dale tweeted yeah. <laughs> that someone has texted me saying Daddy's home. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we? Okay, should, should, do we need to go back a little bit? We probably need to go back to events of last week, really, don't we? Yeah. Should we go to the fascism? Yeah. Unfortunately, we probably should go to the fascism. Mm. We, okay, so... I think the best place to probably pick this up is maybe Thursday mm-hmm. last week when Suella gets that piece published in the Times. Yeah. I think that's a good starting point where, I mean, it's a, it was a fucking hat trick really for um, just a classic bit of conservative race baiting. It had um, it had the misappropriation of hate. It called the, 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 the marches to stop a ceasefire, uh, to, sorry, the marches for a peacefire. Hate peace marches. Peacefire? Peace I'm fucking... <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Um, it had, it called those marching for peace a ceasefire hate marches. Mm-hmm. It said their marches were redolent of um, Northern Ireland. Yeah. Which one would have initially would assume to be a reference because she was talking about public displays of sort of um, political might and then the connection, she said, that, and the connection of those groups to then terrorists. Now, when you say sort of public displays of you know, uh, inflammatory displays of sort of political prowess, you pr- you're probably immediately thinking of the Orange Order. You're thinking of unionists. Um, someone later clarified that actually she was talking about Republicans. Mm-hmm. So just didn't have a fucking clue. She just completely got Irish politics wrong, stop, top to bottom. It's so, so unlike them. Yeah, I know. They're usually so good. They're yeah. usually so good on it, right? Well, there was that Northern Ireland minister that was like, um, <laughs> that, she, that she she said she didn't really understand the role that sectarianism played in Northern Irish politics. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, kind of showing your ass. Um, and then the classic Dominic Raab, not bothering to read the Good Friday Agreement. Yes, hadn't read the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. They, classic. They, <laughs> it gets better and better. That would sort of be like being a priest who hasn't read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. well, no, I don't, I don't really. Uh, you what know. could be in there? Yeah, you know, we just do the Gospels. I get it all from the big man, yeah. Yeah. Straight, straight to the dome. Line in. Yeah. Down the line. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there was that. And also, I think most crucially and, and perhaps relevantly, the language that she used in that piece, I'm just going, I'm going to say, I think it, it, it sort of uh, evoked and deployed um, fascist imagery and fascist language deliberately about, de- about sort of um, desecrating sort of uh, national monuments, national respect, the idea of the nation and the offence that these people uh, were causing by what is a simple statement of fact, exercising their democratic rights. I've, I personally found the language that she used 
very, very sinister and actually was echoed then after she wrote that piece by Tommy Robinson and Katie Hopkins, which I think tells you everything you need to know. We mm. played we played a clip last on the last last week in one of the episodes, didn't we, from Tommy, where he was saying, you know, if you're a man, you will be there respectfully, <laughs> respectfully defending the nation. Does that mean like respectfully? You should, like, is that no, in the colloquial sense? He was calling for calm. Right. He was calling for, um, you know, a modicum of decency. He was saying, look, it's Armistice Day, right? So maybe leave the bag at home. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally, by the way, uh, I think the police found knuckle dusters, knives, and a quite a significant amount of Class A drugs. I, I can't arrested. imagine why that group would have Class A drugs. No, no, absolutely not. No idea why. Anyway, so 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 so, so anyway, he's there. He was, he was calling for calm, and he was saying, "Look, it's a respectful day. Let's not embarrass ourselves, right? If we need to." We will defend the senator, mm-hmm. but we don't want to have to defend the senator. Yeah. All right. See you there. See you there. Eleven a.m. on the eleventh day. See you on day. the beaches. He will not see you on the beaches because you will have seen Ava Santina that when it got a little bit spicy in Chinatown, where the fuck was Mister Yaxley Lennon? I'll tell you in the back of a black cab. Yeah. On his way out. Mm-hmm. Big old pair of balls, that lad, isn't it? That's expensive cab. Back to Flitwick. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't it? It is an expensive cab. I think you probably got off at a train station, don't you? Do you reckon? I'd say so. Mm. Who would know? Only, only he, only he knows. Mm. Late that evening. So yeah, okay, we've we fast forwarded, haven't we? Because we started on Thursday, right? So Suella writes that piece in the Times. You would know this. There's then a political row, isn't there? About was it signed off by Number Ten? Mm. These things usually are signed off by Number Ten, and there was kind of a war of words, wasn't there? Well, it has to be signed off by Number Ten, otherwise it'd be a breach of the ministerial code. Because if you're not in line with the government line, mm. you are, you're in breach. And then we had the whole trivialisation next couple of hours. So you had, you know, various Tory backbenchers who don't know, you know, their heads from their feet, saying things like, "Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Because it does matter. Mm. All right, and you're you're." You trying to trivialise this is, is, is playing into the problem, actually. Fanning the flames. Totally. And I, for, any, for any of those fucking morons uh, that think that was the case, I just encourage them to look at what happened on Saturday. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if you think that you can go around describing people as hate marchers, if you, if you think you can play the politics of division and then they have no consequences, Saturday sh- should be all the evidence you would need. My, my good man! Head over to the Politics Joe YouTube yeah. <laughs> and, and, and consume the content of the people that were there. The, it, the, the Home Secretary essentially tried to incite a race riot on Saturday. She tried. And despite her best efforts, she failed because the Metropolitan Police, for some reason, imposed an exclusion order preventing the pro-Palestine marchers from getting anywhere near the cenotaph. Not that they were ever going there. No, no, of course. They were, they were never going there in the first yeah. place. The route was from Hyde Park to the American Embassy. I think at, at its closest, the, the march's route was about a mile away from the cenotaph, right? Um, but nonetheless, the Met put an exclusion zone in, right? You can't, they, if, if you're there, I don't, I don't know how they would have established whether or not you're on the pro-Palestine march. Uh, maybe it's just, if, if you know, to, to coin a phrase, you're a funny tinge. Maybe they wouldn't let you near it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if it, they'd probably have to see if you've got a Palestinian flag or whatever. That could be the giveaway. It could be. It could be the giveaway. But it anyway, could be a covert way of... But if you're on the far right, mm. fair game. You're fine. If you're there to defend the senator, you're you allowed to be in Parliament Square. Yeah. Which obviously I think they regretted when, when they... Uh, 
broke through the police lines so that they could all respectfully observe a minute's silence. Yeah. Uh, next to the cenotaph. It's amazing because it was so, it was almost like they were at a Madonna concert. Why? Or like Michael Jackson was on the cenotaph. You know. What makes you say that? Well, because what were they trying to get at? Like, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I hopefully our listeners, you know, you may not be familiar with the cenotaph, but it is essentially a hunk of rock that has got, you know, respectful wreaths on it. And it is an homage to the people who fell during the wars. There's no one inside it, right? It's not sentient. So to try and leap the barriers. (laughs) Some of the people that there on Saturday wanted to be inside it, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As is their right. As is their as is their right as as freeborn Englishmen. Yeah. Have you read Magna Carta? Yeah, it's the first line. Yeah, it is. Every but- Englishman is allowed to fuck the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so later that day, maybe around four o'clock. Yeah, about half three, four o'clock. The police were having to kettle the protesters, counter-protesters who'd gone to defend the cenotaph because having now been satisfied that... She was safe. ...the monument was safe. Yeah. Yes. She was all right. She was safe. She has the right to defend herself. Yeah. Um, they then decided to start going to look for the march. Yep. The Palestinian march. Mm. Um, because what better says respect our fallen than smacking... Smacking a, a pro-Palestinian marcher in the face. I, I, I would have loved uh, to see Suella Braverman come out today. She probably will. I'm sure she will have something to say later today, won't she? Um, and say, I got it wrong. The, the, the hate march was the one that I incited and turned up at the Cenotaph because the overwhelming evidence shows that that's exactly what you did. You brought out a group of hateful... And it, Okay, there, were, there are some... Got, has to be said, relatively simple, but normal people who thought that they were just going to turn up to the cenotaph yes, on Saturday and just, you know, respectfully just be there in kind of like a, a political show of restraint. Because they had been whipped up into the belief that they that there was actually a danger, that there was, actually that a, there threat was a threat. threat. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And, and look, you know, those, I think, well-meaning, innocent people, perhaps if they'd seen that Tommy Robinson was was coming down mob-handed. Perhaps if they'd seen uh, that some of the other organisations involved who were going, they would go, actually, you know what? Not for me. Um, there were there were a small number of those people. When By their friend large, went, I'm getting a bag in, <laughs> they probably should have gone, we're going to two different events. Have you got your cosh? Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, okay, so they all turn up. And I, of the several thousand people that are there, a very significant number of them are violent, abusive. There's chance of you're not English anymore to police officers. There's chance of Allah is a pedo. There's people with... They're shouting you're not English anymore at the cenotaph. <laughs> <laughs> the cenotaph, respectful as always, takes the high road, doesn't respond. <laughs> just just, just stands there looking magisterial. I will not engage. She's turned against us, boys. <laughs> um... People with swastika tattoos, people doing um, Nazi salutes. Look, they are far right. And there are were, were several thousand of them there. That has to be said. If that is not a hate march, if, uh, uh, no, I'll reverse it, actually. If you want to say that the hundreds of thousands of people that are marching uh, for, for, for a ceasefire and for Palestine, if you want to call that a hate march on the basis of a fringe 
an anti-Semitic fringe who chant things that are deeply offensive, who, you know, carry placards that have a swastika inside a Star of David, um, who dress up like Hamas fighters. Oh, that's pretty hateful, that. If you want to use that fringe to try and tar the hundreds of thousands as hateful people, then, my God, you better have some fucking stern words to say about the several thousand racists that were outside the center. So imagine my shock. I haven't heard a fucking peep of that, have you? It's a very good point, that, isn't it? I haven't heard a peep of that. A word also, I guess, for all the, for the, for the, the media in this, uh, who, who have spent decades, years, decades maybe, who do the where's your poppy game, mm. who have created this insane climate of um, stoke, who stoke up the fears, who amplify the Home Secretary when she comes out with this nonsense and gleefully sort of report on her words. This is what that gets you. Um, we've got some voice notes, actually. I asked Ed to send me some voice notes. The reason he's not on the pod, we've, we've mentioned it already, but he's, he's going to be off the next two days because he works so many fucking hours on Saturday. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll... maybe we'll, We could do like a news thing, couldn't we, and be like, um, Ed Campbell, Politics Joe's politics producer, uh, down the line. Ed, how was the protest? Hello, podcasters. It's Ed. I hope you're not missing me too much. I was reporting on Saturday from both outside the Churchill statue and, oh, you can't go inside the Churchill statue. I was beside the Churchill statue. And then I uh, reported from the Palestine March, uh, which happened a couple of hours later. At the Churchill statue, I spoke with a fair few people who turned out uh, and to defend the statues and the cenotaph and other monuments from the perceived threat of the Palestine March. What I thought was notable was how many people were parroting the Home Secretary, well, the ex-Home Secretary, so the Bradford's lines about it being a two-tier police system. And there were some really, really positive comments about her. The other thing to take away, I suppose, is just how much influence Tommy Robinson still has over the right and far right in this country. One man told me that he was there because Tommy put the call out. Another man who was there told me that the group of football hooligans, far right agitators, whatever, were going to self-police and stop anyone from drinking or wearing face coverings. And of course, the same man was then pictured at the front of a clash with the police with someone now wearing a face covering. You'd be raging, wouldn't you? And the Palestine march, in contrast, was a picnic. It was largely peaceful, almost entirely peaceful, I would say. There were lots of children and families there. It was quite good-natured. There was lots of signs chanting, people chanting for a ceasefire to stop bombing children. That was kind of the nature of it. There was reports of a tiny number of people intent on kind of ruining it, I suppose, carrying signs that were explicitly anti-Semitic and there's been reports of uh, Jewish people being harassed around London on Saturday. But I have to emphasise that these were really few and far between. The vast, vast majority of people that were there on Saturday were just demonstrating for peace in Gaza and the sentiment was to just stop being people being killed. Suella Bravin did call it a hate march, but I think if there was a hate march on Saturday, well, it was by the far right at the Senate half. There you go. We've done it. We've just done it. Great. Yeah. That's that. That's that there. Okay, so that happens on Saturday. Have we covered off events so far? Have we missed anything? Well, I think we should talk a little bit about the Palestine March. Please. Palestine March, on most accounts, peaceful. Mm. Once again, you've got the fringe. Yeah. Who turn up. And much like the counter-protesters looking for a bit of aggro, mm. bringing fireworks with them. 
very fringe. The percentage of these people, proportionally, minuscule, not even worth really talking about, but we will talk about it Mm. because there are now Jewish people who rightly feel frightened Mm. by some of the behavior that they witnessed at that march. There were people dressed up as Hamas. There were signs, yeah, um, Star of David and a swastika. There were the fireworks situation. There were people. There was one speech that I heard, and I I can't quote it now because I can't think of the exact words, and I don't want to get it wrong. Mm. But it was it was hateful in nature. I believe that the Met are after all of them, yeah, or have arrested at least some of them, or have put out a kind of warrant looking for them. Mm. It's just disappointing. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, look, I think it's it's um. But I, I don't like the gaslighting and the blanket pretending that that didn't happen. Yeah. Because you're not, I understand the marchers when they're, they're arguing that this is a fringe element and it doesn't represent us. And most people are just there calling for a ceasefire. Yes, I understand that. I completely understand that. Mm. But going back to your point, you, I don't think that you can argue against the far right fascists that turned up to be around the cenotaph. Mm if you're not going to also observe that there were some anti-Semitic people on that yeah, so much. There's diff- there's, um, and obviously like the vibes are very different as well. You know, the, there's probably actually, there probably isn't a, um, a better noun for the people that were at the cenotaph than like bloke. There were about several thousand blokes there, right? Mm. Palestine March, women, children, families, dogs, ethnically diverse. They're very, they're, they're, they're very, very different vibes. Oh yeah, it's um, a much friendly. Let's not, let's be real here. There was <laughs> most places. Was, most places are more friendly, to be fair. The vibes do not compare. <laughs> like yeah, for sure. Know. Um, I just, you're right that you can't. Um, it's like it's it's dumb to to, to talk about it, and it, and it, it should also hold. You know, you should be able to have a conversation about these things. You should be able to attend the march, and you still be upset with some of that shit that that's going on. But it's 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 um you know it's a product of all political movements, right? Especially the bigger they get, the bigger the bigger the fringes of them become. And obviously, there are extremist freaks, weirdos, losers. Um, well, I think it also a lot has to do with the, the the news cycle and the space that you're given as a commentator to make points when you're invited onto um um a, a program for interview, right? So mm. if you're talk if you're you're on and you're talking about the march. It may be framed from the outset. You might be going on under the supposition that you're going to be talking about the Palestine March and why, you know, several hundred thousand people turned up that day. Mm. The first question that will get thrown at you is like, but do you condemn Hamas? You're already on a wrong footing because this person most likely has gone there to talk about a ceasefire and is now given a ridiculous, a question that they see as ridiculous Mm. because, well, no, obviously I'm not pro Hamas. Obviously I'm not. And then you're moved into this weird box of having to answer questions that are very leading and you get about 30 seconds space to answer them. So you never fully make a point. Mm. So all nuance is lost, right? And so then it ends up being the footballification of the argument, which is that there is, here's someone who is willing to defend Hamas and here's someone who's going to call that person disgusting. And actually neither of those people who were booked intended to go on that program and say either of those things. Yeah, I also think they don't, they're not actually particularly representative of like mainstream opinion. Like I, I yeah. honestly, the majority of, vast majority of British people appalled by what happened on October 7th and appalled by the bombardment of Gaza now. 
you know, I think that's, that is the default position of most people, but you kind of lose that because of the way, because of the nature of a debate um, gets framed. Interesting to say footballification as well. Gary Lineker wasn't happy to see the, um, the Senatav defenders described as football hooligans. He just said they were hooligans, not football hooligans, which I think is an interesting distinction to make. Um, so we're, we're there on Saturday. Ed's there on Saturday, but for the sake of our little... But aren't they from, through. aren't they from those... Yeah. That's how they get together. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think his point is that you know he would he would say that those people have no place within football. Um, but so it's like that. It's like the when we say rapists are men, but they're not all men. Yes, I guess. I suppose not all so. <laughs> not all football fans. Not that's what we're yeah, saying. Not all football fans. Maybe that's what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Saturday, where are we up to? Yeah. Okay. So Saturday also demonstrates the kind of. Um, the gap between reality and the political meta metaverse alternate reality that Suella Bravman and Rishi Sunak were trying to conjure up, right? Which is the one where they demand that the pro-Palestine march is cancelled, despite the fact that it had that it's never going anywhere near the Senator, that it's going to happen hours after the minute silence at eleven o'clock. So they can demand these things, but you go to someone like Mark Rowley, who is uh, the chief commissioner of the Met, and you need good grounds. You need very, very good grounds because as much as they might dislike it, these senior conservative politicians, protest is actually a fairly fundamental democratic right. And because of that, it's actually very hard for the police to issue a Section 40 order which bans a protest from happening. There has to be justification for doing so. And because of those two things I've mentioned, the fact that it started hours after the, 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 the silence and at its closest, is a mile to the cenotaph. You say, you can't, the, the cenotaph is not actually under threat. As much as you say it's under threat over and over again, mm. that doesn't actually mean it's real. Yeah. You're, you're fighting ghosts yeah. at, at, at this point. You're, 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 trying, you're conjuring these opponents that don't exist. So that, that gap gets exposed by the events of Saturday. You know what? There is an argument of the politicking there. Tell me. Is that Mark Rowley probably did have the grounds to to put in um, a dispersal around the cenotaph. He, yeah, and so they did. But, I mean, from the day before. Mm. He probably had the grounds to do it. And mm. he there is, an, there is a suggestion that I'm making that perhaps when he went into number 10 and he said things like, yeah, so Suella, the problem isn't this march, the pro-Palestine march, the problem is this lot that mm. are coming up to the cenotaph. And I would quite like, I don't think I can police that properly. And I would quite like to shut the area down. Mm. And she probably would have hypothetically said something like, you can't do that. Mm. Those are my boys. Yeah, I mean, they were allowed, right? Those people were allowed there. Yeah. They were permitted there. The, the Palestinian... They've already got their bags in. Well, they have got their bags in. Um, they, I, I mean, you don't have to be a fucking genius to to realise that when these people say they're going to defend the cenotaph, that they're not actually going to defend the cenotaph and they're there for very other, re very uh, serious other reasons. So maybe perhaps it's just because they're white. They thought because they're white, they'll be, they'll be all right. And that, you know, the fact that the Palestinian march is slightly more ethnically diverse, they're a bit more sus about being around the cenotaph. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's the reason why. I actually thought the police did a very, very, not very, very, I think the police did a pretty good job this weekend, I think they did one of the best jobs they could have done in very, very difficult circumstances, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, there was a kind of, there was a line being pushed about by some conservative commentators last week that was, how dare they look at how they treated the women at the Sarah Everard vigil. Cheap line to use. And I think 
what has actually come out of the Sarah Everard vigil is you can't act like this anymore. Mm. You absolutely can't. You need to be on your best behavior. Yeah. You know? So. Wayne Cousins is not allowed <laughs> to defend, to police the march. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get. I'd like, to, I'd like to talk, I'd like to talk about that um, for sure as, as well. Um, what I was going to say. Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Okay, so. But, well, yeah, let's talk about that. So I've I've been at most of these um, demonstrations. I was at the Sarah Everard one. I was at the Black Lives Matter demonstrations in 2020. I was at the last time the far right, in response to those Black Lives Matter demonstrations, turned out to defend Churchill. They love, they love defending fucking... You really care. I'd, yeah, I, I, I was there, Nazi saluting, waving, waving at St. George's Cross. Whoa. No, I was there reporting on it, Ava, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Did you think you thought I was being serious? No, I'm you just worried. too I just, much? N- the audio, they can't see the face you pulled. Yeah. And so, you know. They can't see the Zeke highlight. Like there are either. some disingenuous, bad faith actors. No. As we've been talking oh, about. Yeah, fuck them. Look, I've, I've had, I've hosed about half that bottle of whiskey. So I'm well, kind I'm of, quite I'm right. Kind of, it is a Monday. A, I'm kind of in a, let them fucking. You're feeling loose, yeah? Go your own way and let tongues wag. Yeah. As Dante and possibly Kanye West also said. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. Okay, so I've been at all of those marches, and the, the, they love to roll out this. Um, we just want to be policed the same. Mm-hmm. We just want to have the, the fe- we want to be treated the same as the police. The police have a double standard. They go easy on basically, the, and they say this Ed, when they, when Ed interviewed them, non English people. And by the way, most of the people they're talking about are actually English. They, but what when someone from the far right says non English, what they mean is someone who isn't white. Mm-hmm. So they go easy on those people. And when we come down here, we all get arrested. Now, the reason they all get arrested is because they attack the police. Mm-hmm. I've, I've watched them do it. Yeah. And you saw them do it this weekend as well, actually. It's, it's totally, um, it's a false equivalence between all of those protests that, that you mentioned, right? And it's, and it's really important. The context and all this, I don't, I don't know if you've seen anyone talking about this, is, is the COVID restrictions that were in place at all of, the, at all of these times. Through these different dates, there's different levels of restriction on public gathering, how many people you can be out with, etc. So the first BLM march I was on was, I think it was in, um, I think it was in Hyde Park, was near Speaker's Corner. And basically everyone was outside sat in groups. Like it wasn't, uh, as you see now, where everyone's bunched up walking down Mingling. the street. Yeah, no, it was absolutely not that. It was people with face masks on, people were very like conscious about not, not being close to each other. 
I was going to make a joke about balaclavas. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I couldn't quite word it. Yeah, it's fine. And then after that, uh, the BLM one, again, by this point, the police now are kind of not that hot on the COVID stuff and they're more hot on graffiti, criminal damage, etc. And so they react to that. The far right one the following weekend, there's no observance of um, COVID regulations. But And the same again with Sarah Everard, you know, Technically, the vigil for Sarah Everard shouldn't have shouldn't have taken place, right? It was lit, several hundred people in one place at a time when you were not allowed to gather. I don't think you could meet up with with people outside your household at that point in time, right? Yeah, I think it was like, was it people were going for walks and stuff? Yeah, yeah, you know, you could you could walk around outside, but that was it was not good, right? So one of yeah. the key things that the police were saying to people uh, as the evening drew on was that people. When when people were walking there and like laying flowers or lighting a candle, Kate Middleton uh, was there. Police were fine with that. It was then when people started hanging around, chanting, etc., that they then started to have a problem. And I think it, uh, initially some of the justification they had for the way they were policing the crowd was COVID regulations. It then escalated. There was like chanting and back and forth and argy bargy, and it, it went from there. Well, they determined that it was a a protest rather than a vigil. Yeah. While on site, right? Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, I don't think is necessarily an unfair um, take on, certainly on what I saw. But Do you know what would have been, sorry, I've got a really good visual of Kate Middleton just being thrown to the ground. Could you imagine? They didn't realise it was her. But, you know, there is, there is a, yeah, but there is <laughs> a... fucking face down in the dirt. There's, but there's a point there, isn't it? You wouldn't throw the princess to the ground, but you would throw Patsy Stevenson. So what is mm. that? We're such... We're such bootlickers in this country. Do you know what I mean? Big time. Oh, Kate, go and lay your flowers. Ah. Fuck off. Do you know, I saw... <laughs> I saw um, Prince William doing something this weekend. What was it? Earthshot? He's got like a, um environmental awards ceremony thing Oh, I must does. have missed my Monarch Monthly. Yes. Well, no, it's on BBC One. Oh, yes, of course, Monarch Monthly, yeah. Um, Monarch Daily. And um, <laughs> and <laughs> Sean, what was that thing called I was doing on the desk last week? An Ahagao. Ahagao, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that on camera. Um, anyway, so he comes out and gives his speech to like, I think he's giving an award or something. Man, his hairline is fucked. It's fucked. Do you know what I'm going to do? And you're going to hate me for this. No, you really are. What? I would argue that we should criticise them. <laughs> for, boring. <laughs> yeah, rather than how they... Rather than how they look. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, okay. That's, look, sorry. Is my, is my criticism of I'm the institution of monarchy based solely on Prince William's hairline? No, but I think it's fucking reason enough. Um, look. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to try and engage me on the substance at this point. It's a nonsense. It's a nonsense. No, I'm trying to. I'm, try, I'm trying to even think how we've got onto the monarchy and why I'm suddenly on fire inside. <laughs> um, it's probably the whiskey. Okay, so. But gee, God, all of it just winds me up so much. I'm just thinking about when she came to lay the flowers and people were like, "Oh, it's so good of her. She's got nothing on." Yeah, she's free. Yeah. <laughs> nothing she's on. Pretty free. Yeah, pretty free. Um, right. So that's Saturday. Saturday happens. Sunday. Conservative politicians are asked. Across the media, whether or not they support Swell of Reference Remarks, yeah. having watched the far right mobilise. Mm -hmm. She brought 
the cancer that is that political movement onto the streets of the capital on Armistice Day. She incited them. They arrived. Um, people distanced themselves from those remarks. This morning, uh, conservative politicians are asked whether or not Rishi Sunak has confidence in her and variations of that's Rishi Sunak's decision, which basically within politics is a, I am absolutely not putting my fucking support to that one. You know, you, you would think as a member of the government, you would say, well, of course the Home Secretary has the promise of support. They don't say that. And then she gets sacked. What was it, about 10 past, quarter past eight, something like that? Bang on when he was on GMB. Mm. I think he might have told LBC, actually, that he did have confidence. The Prime Minister did. Mm. Also, it was all amusing because it was the Armed Forces Minister, James Heapy. Now, you know what? He's gone, hasn't he? Heapy? Did he Has not he? go? Neil O'Brien's gone. Neil O'Brien's sure. gone. Has Heapy not gone? Um, but the thing about Heapy, right? Oh, no, this is going to say Johnny Mercer. Right, right yeah. Johnny Mercer, I think if he'd asked that question, he would have said, if he'd been asked, is this the right way to support Armistice Day? I think he would have said no. I think, I, I genuinely actually think that, oh, just, just like try and just everyone just stay with me for one minute and just understand that I'm talking about one specific aspect of Johnny Mercer's politicking and personality. I think that he is genuinely committed to veterans and mm. really does care about them. And I think that he would have put his neck on the line and said, that is not the way to go about Armistice Day. Mm. Whereas the other ministers would have all fell in line like little cucks. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, they they went up there with good intentions and it's not their fault that they ended up kicking someone's head in. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't doubt that. I know. I know. Um, Johnny Mercer does care a lot about veterans. I, um, yeah, I know that there's a lot of veterans who are absolutely disgusted by this. By the, by the whole thing. Yeah, and do you know why you know that a lot of veterans are? Because contrary to what that group will have you believe, quite a lot of people know quite a lot of veterans. Yeah. It's not like a you thing. <laughs> You're not special, all right? You're not fucking special. Tell me off. Like, Tell like, me off. Yeah, but you, you know when they're like, oh, my granddad fought in World War One. They all fucking did, Brian. <laughs> they all did. That's the like, point of national conscription. Yeah. If he didn't, he was a coward. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I was actually I was looking up all of my family who did fight in there and they were um, all the Italians went under, as the British army all my Italian side fresh off the you're, boat your Italians fought for the good guys y- well yeah well, fucking hell look mostly you had a couple of used <laughs> <laughs> to make the trains run on time baby yeah, yeah, well, what can you say um, so but they we... all they all fought isn't that, isn't that mad they, they were fresh off the boat in, um, in London living in Bermondsey and they all went God bless them yeah, and they oh, all listen. came back. They all survived. Can't have been trying that hard, can No, they? look, listen. <laughs> the thing about the Italians is they know when to take a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sarge, you're going to sit this one out, actually. It's my lunch break. <laughs> You've got that. Yeah, I'll see you when you get back, yeah? <laughs> They're making gelato in the back. Yeah, nice. You let them off. You my nonna used to sell um, gelato down on uh, Tooley Street. Didn't yeah. And it's that kind of attitude that kept her alive during the war. Mm. Respect. So well has gone. Good. Sacked. She got sacked this morning. I wonder how she'll challenge him going forward. There's a meeting now. Big voice on the backbenches. Oh, yeah. What's the meeting? There's a meeting, apparently, of backbench MPs of how they are going to 
respond to the Suella sacking. Um, the thing is, though, when you actually... Hopefully when you, by a communal act of seppuku. What's seppuku? It's when, it's when a samurai, you know, defeated in battle or surrendered, rather than facing the disgrace of defeat, takes their katana and shoves it through themselves. Anyway. There's <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking dorks on this. What can um, no, that's cool. Come on. Why don't you call me a dog? That's cool. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. You just you just want to move on. You're, you're conceding the ground. We me. should all settle this with a good game of chess. We haven't played chess in ages. We haven't played chess in ages. Although, you yesterday... I'm best at chess. When are you best? After half a bottle of whiskey. Well, let's, let's crack it out. <laughs> I mean, you know. You're um, on holiday. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking off after this. We can play chess all day. Um, I can't actually. I have to work. I... Was playing chess over the weekend. How'd you get on? On always, you know, very well. Mm. Um, and I, oh, actually, no. Sean did me in three moves the other day. It was really embarrassing. Three. But what is I that possible? Four move, yeah. But um, that's rough. I think I'm still up, I bro. That's I, rough. No, I think I'm still up on our um. That's rough. Though, long isn't term, it? every all right. <laughs> Four moves. <laughs> I was having an off moment. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I like tweeted this like random little bit about chess, chess.com, random, mm. random, no, no username involved or whatever. Have I been inundated with requests to play chess with me? Mm. How did they find me? My name isn't really even my name on there. How no. did they find me? You know? Do you reckon there's some blokes going through every single like Ava adjacent account on chess.com? I'm not sure. But maybe, maybe that's what we do for like, I don't know, comic relief. Maybe I like, maybe I just like sit there and play chess with everyone. Do you think there's like a community of like absolute drips who just want to, who just want to experience the Queen's Gambit administered by Ava, Ava Santina? No, she's like, she's got like sex with chess. I'm really, I'm just there for the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Student of the game. Yeah. Okay. Um, back to the, back to the matter at hand. Oh yeah. Braverman's gone. Does she does she fuck with Rishi for the foreseeable? Do you think she's gonna be a thorn in his side? Do you think she's just gonna sit it out? It actually kind of suits her, right? She knows which way Rwanda's gonna go this week this week. She says she's been trying to get sacked all week. Yes. And and the only reason it didn't happen sooner is because Rishi's been fucking tickling David Cameron's balls. Trying to but get But when did he start the tickling? Did it only happen well, yesterday? Probably on Remembrance Sunday. Just lean over at the Senator. Just say fucking David. Psst. Yeah. Psst. What are you up to? <laughs> yeah, I know it's the last post. Yeah. Do you want to be foreign secretary? Yeah. Liz is like. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Yeah. Yeah. Bow your fucking head, Liz. Yeah. Um, bit of breaking news for you here. Oh. Therese Coffee is out. She was shit anyway, man. What's she done? So. Oh, yeah. So what I was going to say to you about Suella Braverman was like the fringe element that actually that everyone's so frightened of that really supports her and then could form a rebellion, right? So the group that are involved in that are literally like, literally, are like Brendan Clark Smith, <laughs> Miriam Cates, Andrea oh, Jenkins. Fucking hell. Now, Woo! now you tell me, we're going into war tomorrow. The biggest, the biggest brains in the Conservative Party. Are you summoning those three? The funny thing is, they are the future of the Conservative Party. Cates, Kruger, all that lot. Yeah, sure. If you're, if you're a national conservative aficionado... 
fine. But that's 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 the we've spoken about this multiple times before in the pod, right? The battle for the ideological soul of the party. We have talked about that before, but these, I, part, these people that's what they're that's what they're up to. I don't think I don't think that's so fair. I think that we are like at the peak of the culture war, and I think that the culture war after the next election will burst, and what will be left is a Tory opposition that is trying to go back to small C conservatism. I don't. I think they'll go the other way. I think that's so fundamentally super important that Keir Starmer does not drop the the bag on this one. Like, I think he's going to be empowered with a ve- with a very significant ma- majority. Do and you? I, yeah, but I think he'll have one term. I think he literally has one term. I well, think if he doesn't, and if he doesn't rise to the challenges of the day, and this is why it's so important that he fucking gets it right. The extreme right will be there. And they'll they will be there for for five years to pick up the pieces very very quickly, snarling like little hyenas. Yeah, like uh, African painted dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, jackals. Mm. Just to bring it back to Catholicism for a moment, I felt we drifted. Yeah, I, I agree. Always, always, always good to have a bit more monotheism in the pod. Do you think, think. Suella Braverman hates the Catholics because she hates the? Uh... The Republicans. I think she wanted to hate the Catholics, but knows so fucking little about Northern Ireland that right. she accidentally <laughs> told everyone that she hates the, the Unionists, her yeah. political allies, that she hates the, the she 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 accidentally she invoked the Protestants when she was trying to actually whip up hate against the Catholics. I think is what she is what happened last week. Suella Braverman's understanding of the the um, the island question is about the same as your average American. What's the question? Um, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to figure it out myself, actually. Yeah. There was a really amazing TikTok that went viral a few months ago. And it was like, did you guys know that, like, (laughs) the Catholics and the Protestants have this whole thing in Ireland? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They can't can't comprehend it over there. They're so used to being like, the Christians are just one big thing and we all hate Muslims. They can't understand the fact that there might be some like internecine warfare between no. Christians. They can't get wrapped their tiny little American minds around it. Okay, so she's gone. David Cameron's back. David Cameron, I kind of like it. I kind of like it because I know that Boris Johnson wants to be a two-term prime minister. I think I'm really going to fucking show my ass here. I think Churchill is the only... No, he's not. That's that's incorrect. There are others who are older. Um, you know, be prime minister for a bit, disappear for a bit, come back. Since there the are, 20th century, do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah very good. Yeah, he's mm. the only one since the 20th century. In recent history. In recent history. I think that's what they're yeah, saying now. Yeah, maybe. I'm, maybe I'm just wrong. Anyway, Johnson obviously sees himself in that in that in that way. And if David Cameron uh, engineers his way back to frontline politics, first as foreign secretary and then possibly as prime minister. I would I would quite enjoy it just from a fuck you Boris Johnson type type of angle. Um, people are forgetting that uh, th- this is the first opportunity really actually that Cameron's had to come back right um, because obviously him and Boris mortal enemies. Um, Theresa May replaces him as prime minister after he resigns, and Liz Truss has no chance. Him and Rishi are quite aligned. It, it, it got me thinking because David Cameron is. Do you remember when David Cameron was? the worst person in British politics. And now how far we fucking slid. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so uh, there was a time, right, when David Cameron's implementing austerity where you go, God, man, this guy's the fucking pit. But have people forgotten about that? I don't think that... No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is, compared to the last fucking four years, I'm looking at him going, I mean, I wouldn't mind. That feels better. 
Yes, because... Socially liberal. Yes, fiscally conservative. Yes, imposing austerity. Yes, EU referendum. Because there's a good argument for austerity never having ended, right? So under Boris Johnson, no, uh, yeah, you got a you got um, a limit on your civil liberties, alongside austerity continuing. For example, when Boris Johnson came to power, he didn't suddenly restart the Sure Start program, right? Mm. He didn't reopen the nurseries. Yeah, look, or make I think provisions for adult social care. It was certainly more interventionist, more boosterish than um than than previous um. Governments, I, I think that you know, tr- re- because the point is right. You know, oh, twenty thousand new police officers, and it's like, well, okay, but you're just returning them to pre-austerity levels, you know. But you still are, you still are recruiting them, right? Um, but you didn't reopen any of the police stations that you closed down when he was mayor of London. Mm, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I was- I, but I, I look at I look at Cameron. Uh, the problem for me actually is not what he was before. It's what's come to light since. You know, green the Green Seal scandal, for example, is you know is very directly like lobbying the prime minister. They're obviously boys, so maybe it's... Well, maybe this will be good for him because now he'll actually be able to lobby himself and maybe he'll have a word with him, you he know. He can just lobby himself. He doesn't have to lobby anyone. He can just make yeah. decisions, yeah, maybe. But then maybe he'll make the decision of being like, oh, this would be quite embarrassing if this turns up on the ministerial uh, record. So, yeah, he's back. That's a reshuffle. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about that story in the ST, weren't we, about, um, well, essentially... <laughs> uh, 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 Call it misdirection, a degree of dishonesty about the donations um, to the to the vehicle by which Keir Starmer secured the leadership of the Labour Party, mm. um, failure to declare a, a significant amount of donations. But I don't know if we actually have time. We might have to save this for another episode. You got ten minutes? Oh, fuck it. Should we do a quick little summary? Yeah, should we do a summary of it? Okay. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do you want to summarise? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Morgan McSweeney, who was uh, running Labour together, he'd in about twenty nineteen when. This is the Times words, not mine. When it was, um, the do- I think they called it the dog days of Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. Um, he went to Keir Starmer and he said, look, I think we need to get a more centrist position on Labour. And I would like to be the man to, uh, to, to you know, be the architect of this. And so he created this, well, he didn't create it. So with this think tank, he got a group of MPs together and he said, don't worry, guys, all the funding for this is totally above board. While we're on this leadership campaign for Kistanmer, totally above board. Everything's being signed off. This is before the leadership campaign though, right? This is, this yeah. is just during Jeremy Corbyn Labour Party. Oh yeah, he went to him before. Yeah. Uh, before the election, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is amazing because there are still commentators now who say, no, nothing ever happened. Everyone was unified before mm. the 2019 election. Get to fuck. Yeah. Um, be a lie. Yeah. Anyway, so he he he's doing this leadership campaign for Keir Starmer. He's got all these donations, seven hundred eighty thousand pounds worth of donations, and he does not declare them. And the group, actually, very valiantly, still don't pin it on Morgan McSweeney. They just say it was an error, mm. human error. To, to be clear, right about this money, more than seven hundred thousand pounds improperly declared. That is more than Unite the Union has donated to individual MPs. In the time, in the time since, like it is a people think, oh, it's only seven hundred grand. I mean, come on. The you have to remember with British politics, it's not like American politics, right? Where there's millions of dollars fucking slushing around in these CPACs, and and you know, seven seven hundred grand is a huge amount of money. Just full stop. Yeah. Talking about campaigning, can you hear a phone ringing? Yeah. It's a huge amount of money to be floating around in British politics, as just as a rule, let alone to be floating around on like a factional basis within the Labour Party. And I think that's really, really important. So this 
this group exists within the Labour Party, is polling within the Labour Party, and I and I think that's really important the, because it's basically the polling from this group that Keir Starmer then uses to cater his message to Labour Party members. Mm. is what gets him elected to be leader of the Labour Party. And it would be unfortunate, shall we say, for an unknown, not unknown, but fringe group, centrist group within the Labour Party during a general election year to be receiving huge amounts of money. What's that money being spent on? Because we could do with some leaflets in fucking Walsall. Yeah. No, 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 no. Or, or, or even, wait, wait, wait. I thought you guys were just like, you know, some like fucking little, little pressure group collection, you know, like ginger, ginger labour, you know, like fucking take your pick, Tribune, blah, blah, blah. Oh no, you you've got three quarters of a million pounds from from tech millionaires and yep. venture capitalists. Sorry, excuse me. What are you doing? What are you doing within the Labour Party? Answer: preparing the ground for Keir Starmer. And uh, yeah, doing it doing it in the improper way. Very interesting story. And I thought most interestingly, it was the final line at the bottom of the story in the ST. Morgan McSweeney was repeatedly contacted for comment, and he did not provide one. Well, why would he? Yeah. Probably busy. <laughs> Probably busy preparing the next government in waiting. Yeah. Um, no, great story. I mean, Gabriel Pogren, Harry York. Two former tabmen, actually. Two tabmen. Um, I mean, Gabriel's stuff in the ST is so fucking good. So good. I, I'm, I'm not just singling this one out because it's about Keir Starmer. He does tons of investigative journalism, which is utterly brilliant. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. But this, this is... Um, I think this is really important, to be honest with you. It's a, it's a really important question about whether or not the path that Keir Starmer is on to Downing Street, it starts with with this guy and this group. And um, it appears they've they've improperly handled the financial side of things. And that's that's deeply worrying. Deeply, deeply worrying. And, and perhaps it's illustrative of what a Keir Starmer uh, government will, will, will behave and look like. Just on a legal note there. Yep. Not to do with Keir Starmer. Mm. It's just... Allegedly. It's just, yeah, he... Don't come for me, Mc... all right? Now <laughs> come for me. It's just that... Say that for a legal fucking thing. It's just that McSweeney approaches Keir Starmer and says, you know, we, we want you to be the next leader of the Labour Party. It's just that McSweeney runs his leadership campaign. It's just that McSweeney is now managing the general election campaign for Keir Starmer. Yeah. But, you know, obviously... It's sort of like when... I was auditioning for this role and you said, I can offer you this salary. And I didn't bother to ask where that salary was come from, was coming from. Right. Um, yeah, sure. And then found out later it was just from your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Having been funded. Uh, yeah. Man, I would love to have a fucking venture capitalist backer. Yeah. Ima- imagine, imagine the tomatoes I would grow. Me, if me, I just had a benefactor, yeah. if I just had a philanthropist benefactor who was like, Ollie, we like how you podcast. That's all we want you to do. Here's what, what do we What's an appropriate stipend? What I mean, what do you put? What's the value you put on this? On this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 200 grand a year? 300 grand a year? Are you joking? Is it more? You think that that's, this podcast is worth that? It's worth more than that. Are you joking? How much do you need to run a garden? <laughs> Why don't you tell Honey, us? Honey, you don't know the garden in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the hanging gardens of Babylon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Tell no, us look. in the comments how much you think Holly Tugmore <laughs> is worth. <laughs> yeah, it's not that, unfortunately. But well, if I had that much, no, honestly, if you, uh, shout out, shout out, I will, I will sell my ass. No, no, you. <laughs> we're going down a dangerous path here. <laughs> no, this is this is like the fun. This is like the fun zany end of the podcast bit. You know. I reckon what we do, you get a new small holding. Yeah. There is a podcast studio in the middle. Oh, fucking yes. Yeah. Sing it to me, Santina. It's um, it's glass all the way around, yeah? Oh, so you can see out. You can see out. And it's patrolled constantly by a line of slugs, clockwise, ducks, anti. And as we're podcasting, a dam is being freshly erected. <laughs> By 50 beavers, led by Ed Campbell. No, she hasn't mentioned a single tuna. No tuna. We want Ed there. Mm. Yeah, no, I do want him there. There's just a couple of swordfish, sort of. Or salmon. There's salmon. Did you guys, you guys didn't reply to the salmon I was dropping in the chat. No, but it was Saturday at 1pm, to be fair. (laughs) And I... (laughs) Yeah, you had other things to be doing. Yeah. It's cool though, isn't it? The salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I should go and have a look at it. We could, we could drop it. We could drop it in the subreddit. We'll drop the salmon in the subreddit. That'll be a nice little treat when Ed comes off his holiday. He'll fire up the subreddit to be like, oh, I wonder what the subreddit has to say about the journalism I've done over the weekend. And I dare I say, I might pin it to the top. It will be a video of this man hauling this salmon out of a river. Okay, wait. Can I just say so? <laughs> Ollie sent this at ten thirty six on Saturday morning. He sent um, a, a, a reasonably attractive man with a big salmon. Is that a salmon? In his hand, anyway. And some kind of net that looks almost like a tennis net or like the sort of tennis net that Henry VII used to use. Um, and he's written, great example of how salmon change as they swim upstream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Happy Saturday. And then the Good next morning. day he came to us. what I'm talking about. Show and me. we'll just show that we'll Let me show. see it. Yeah, no, we can play it. I want to watch it. Tell people all the time I'm Motherfucker, look at him. Look at his humpback. And look at the about. look at the change in the jaws as well. You know what he would be Tell good for? Defending the cenotaph. He'd do a fucking good job of it, wouldn't he? Should you leave that? Ed Campbell wouldn't get anywhere near the cenotaph if that chap was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's leave it there. Nice. Um, see you on the next one for uh, an excellent bit of podcasting and shall we head to the subreddit after this yeah we head to the subreddit for some good face discussion yeah good face discussion some memeing yeah wonderful Uh, Ava Santina thank you for coming off your holiday well thank you podcast with me now thank you for letting me come in goodbye bye right great how long was that perfect Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.